right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. Today is Tuesday, August 4th, 2020, and I'm your host, Detroit Sports Editor Noel Bianchi, here today, as always, with longtime Red Wings fan Ethan Smith. The boys are back in town. What's going on? Hockey is back. Whoa, let's get it. What's going on, pal? How are you? Pretty good, man. Same old stuff. Living life. Cash and checked. Kissing babies and getting a, not as much sleep as I should. I'm right there with you. I am absolutely exhausted. We're recording this on Monday night in the middle of the Pittsburgh and Montreal game two. Pittsburgh currently up one nothing against the Canadiens, but we've got a lot of hockey to talk about. It all started on Saturday with five games, continued yesterday with five more games, and just really – I I'm not I I don't think that I'm ever going to get sick of just having hockey on from noon until 1:30 in the morning. I know, dude. I like I my lunch at my work's from like 11:30 to like 12:15, and I just go back in and get my computer all set up just so I could like listen to it. Dude, I'm just so happy hockey's back. I know, and we're gonna get into all of that today. Uh, just kind of break down what we've seen so far from, from a lot of the qualifying matchups, the round Robin games. I haven't been paying as much attention to, I actually didn't watch any of the round Robin games, uh, on Sunday. Uh, but I did, I did catch the, uh, avalanche and blues game. Nazem Kadri 0.1 seconds on the clock. Now that's a buzzer beater right there. Yeah, I, that was one game that I did miss. So I'm happy that you did see that. Cause that's the one that was like, I think it was one of the games the very few games that I missed this weekend. That was just – have you ever seen a goal actually go in with literally 0.1 seconds left? No. Maybe and the Mike Smith goal when he scored versus Detroit. I just – like I remember I remember a couple really memorable Zetterberg buzzer beaters, and I want to say it was like back-to-back nights. It was like 2012, 2011, maybe 2013. I have no idea, to be quite honest. But I remember – I think they were playing in Vancouver and Calgary on back-to-back nights – and Z, it was like one night, it was like 0.3 seconds on the clock. And uh, th- those are like, that. that's like as close as it's ever gotten for me from what I can remember as, for a goal that big. You know, I, I yeah, you're probably right. I, don't, I really don't think that, especially in a, in a, in a play-in series like that, <laughs> like just the whole, what a, what a punch in the dick. You know, <laughs> I, another one uh, that was great, and we're talking about Red Wings history, was the uh, the Mantha buzzer beater in the Centennial Classic a couple years ago when he sent it to OT. I can't remember how much time was on the clock in that one, but it was like I've actually just pulled it up. Let's see, yeah, over a full over a full second left in that one. So if, I mean, if you want to talk about memorable Red Wings ones, it, it still doesn't like once you get into that. That was legitimately. or 0.1 got across the goal line. The next frame, double zeros. Like, that was was crazy. I still can't get used to Nazem Kadri in a Colorado uniform. (laughs) I know, right? Isn't it crazy? I, uh... Terry Price is on his game, dude. He really is. And and so I I guess let's, let's just start by talking about that one because these two teams played Saturday night. The Canadians got up to a quick... 2-0 Two nothing lead uh, before Pittsburgh kind of you know shook the cobwebs off and, and started to get back into it. 
But I'm telling you, I think I really am starting to get nervous that there's going to be a handful of really good teams in contention for this uh, yeah. placeholder team distinction. Dude, if Montreal wins tonight, I mean, you're not going to win three games in a row. That never happens. Was what, what was the stat that you told me before we started this? The teams yeah. in a five-game series. So uh, teams in a five-game series, and this is, of course, in the data on this, you know, make of it what you will, uh, because you can say it's it's not the same. But whatever you know, your opinions on it are, it's it's a number that's staggering. It's at like over eighty-six percent of teams that win the first game of a five-game series, like prior from like nineteen eighty something and before that. Uh, go on to win the series. So you have a, a lot of teams, Pittsburgh, Nashville, uh, Winnipeg. Well, I think Winnipeg was a lower seed, uh, but I digress. You got a lot of t- Toronto who did not look good offensively uh, against the Blue Jackets. You have a lot of teams right now. Oilers, that, dude. The Oilers. The Oilers, oh, you know, the the Oilers, Oilers were the big one. The Oilers didn't look that bad uh, on offense. They just looked really, really sloppy on the back end. And uh, obviously Mike Smith was a part of that, but you got yeah. a lot of teams right now who are, who are really making me nervous about getting this placeholder spot. It's to the point now where I think I'm just going to embrace the chaos and just be like, well, you know, we, everybody knew that at least one of these teams weren't going to make it. So it, it's not really going to surprise me if two don't make it in the playoffs that should have. What did you think uh, – what was your favorite game of, of the weekend? Um, I think the Blackhawks stunning the Oilers 6-4. to four. And it, Like, you know, people were saying Edmonton was going to come out like crazy. And then, I mean, when McDavid scored that first goal, I thought that was – all right, I'm like, this is going to be this – is the, this is what the series is going to be like. Then Kubalik – on Chicago just puts up five points, two goals, three assists. And he, it wasn't like, you know, he's getting secondary assists. Like he's setting up paves in front of the net. He sniped twice. Like he looked amazing. And as much as I would love Chicago to get Lafreniere, I mean, just, Hey, just keep on rolling. You got to stop talking like that on this podcast. Well, I mean, if Edmonton gets him too, that, that would make me laugh. It would just only really be sad if Pittsburgh gets him. I think really it would be sad if Pittsburgh or Toronto or Chicago. I think it would be it would be funny. Can you imagine a first line with uh, McDavid, Drysaddle, and Lafreniere? Jesus Christ! What about Matthews, Marner, and Lafreniere? <laughs> Tavares, Nylander, it's... Lafreniere. All right, whatever. <laughs> but but to me, it's also like it all. What we've seen so far, uh, and we're gonna get to the team that impressed me most this weekend in just a second. But to me, it just kind of uh, certifies that these qualifying round matchups are the playoffs because Pittsburgh for sure was going to make the playoffs. Like Toronto for sure was going to make the playoffs. And now you have them basically, uh, if they were, if they go on to lose their respective series, you're basically saying that they weren't playoff teams. And, and to me, that was the whole thing that kind of just frustrated me from jump. Uh, was the fact that they were kind of discounting the fact that these were the playoffs. You know, the thing that I was thinking of is the craziest thing to me is that is how slow a lot of these teams that were primed for deep runs in the playoff look like Philadelphia rolled over Boston. And I know that's just a round-robin game. 
Yeah. But Boston looked really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh is putting up a battle with a 500 team right now. Yeah. And they lost an overtime. We lost to the Red Wings four times this year. Yes. I saw a tweet from Pete Blackburn. It said uh, Penguins going to have to go back to the drawing board and start watching uh, Detroit Red Wings tape to learn how to beat the Canadians. <laughs> All right, so I want to talk about the team that impressed me most this weekend, and they were the first game of the playoffs, noon start on Saturday. And this this really set the tone for the whole weekend, and that's Carolina. They come out absolutely bu- buzzing. Yep. against the New York Rangers. They look so good. That I think, you know, I mean, we we probably named about 12 different teams on the podcast with Ted last week about teams that could make a run. But Carolina is always that team that in the back of my head, I'm like, they got a lot of young stars. They got, you know, Sebastian Ajo, Jacob Slavin. Like, if Peter Morazic can can play somewhat decent, I think they got a chance to, like, win He's a couple rounds. great, too. Exactly. And they I really – they won today as well. They're up two nothing against the Rangers. Yeah, and uh, and, and when they came out, you know that obviously Jacob Slavin scored like one minute in, and then Justin Williams gets in that fight. Like, thank you, like thank you, Carolina, for what you did to start the weekend off because you just absolutely killed off any like apprehension that I had yep. about whether or not this was the play was going to be intense or whether or not guys were going to be able to get up like they normally would or anything like that. Yeah, and I was watching the Winnipeg Jets Calgary Flames game as well, and that like it, that was every single whistle. There was a little scrum, either in front of the net, behind the yeah. net, like. Well, I mean that, and that uh, thing obviously all started with that injury to Mark Shifley. Shout out to Matthew Kachuk. That I, I'm like very, I don't know, like I I think it's easy to blame guys who have like a history of being a rat, of like saying that he did that on purpose. I, I was a couple beers deep during this game by this point, but I, I really don't think that what Matthew Kachuk did to Mark Shifley was malicious. I think it was a I freak accident. It, yeah. I looked at it numerous times during and after, and I didn't really see anything either. I mean, he even went up to him as he was getting helped off the ice. Like, I just don't see that. And luckily, Shifley kind of escaped any – horrible injury from it too i mean he didn't play in game two today um that winnipeg won series is tied one one um and also too patrick line taking a i mean he kind of elbowed giordano it wasn't really on purpose he wasn't even looking at him giordano just kind of ran into his elbow yeah giordano completely knocked himself out got back up and then just cross-checked the shit out of his forearm and immediately that was just the end of line A's night. And line A didn't play today either. So hopefully both those guys are okay. I mean, I know they what still a bounce back today, for them to you, still win. After yes. That. You just need bodies. You need all the bodies you can. And line A and Shipe, they're both phenomenal players. I want to get back to uh, the Carolina game from the other day. So I texted you right before I go, oh, dude, Shesterkin's not playing. They're, they're playing Hank. He gets scored on on his first shot. It's unfortunate. He probably could have gotten bigger in the net, but like I'm not gonna like say it was Hank's fault by any means. Uh but just obviously not not great to give up that goal early. And then it was Vincent Trocheck. He came down like a couple minutes later. The Rangers like kind of got back into it. They you know, that that fight between Strom and Justin Williams uh kind of really picked up the pace for both teams. 
Uh, but then Vincent Trocek comes down. And he he rifles. I think it was a backhander from the slot, and it went right over Lundqvist's shoulder. And it was bad body language, city. Like you just saw him slump, and then it hit the crossbar. And he's like, "Oh, thank God!" But like I was like, "Dude, he does not look good." And then he bounced back, and ha- and ended up having a, a pretty strong game. I think the other two goals that they scored were just like bang bang plays. Like he had no chance on. So, you know, Hank's gonna be Hank. I I. I completely agree with the fact you got to give him this shot. And even if just Jerkins hurt, and that's the only reason why um, Lundqvist is playing, so be it. But I appreciate the fact that he's still out there and they're giving him that shot over uh, Georgiev. So life, it's life. You know, I'm happy that he's still in there. I'm happy he got to play today. Even though, I mean, the Rangers aren't supposed to make the playoffs anyway. Yeah. How about the uh, how about the Coyotes going out there and, and, and taking a pretty commanding lead against the the Nashville Predators? Got a little got a little interesting at the end, but like for the most part, like I don't know, like the, the Coyotes look really really good. They just look like a team that wanted it more. And who knows? I mean, a, after all the stuff that's going on with John Chica, you know, kind of just quitting the night before the playoffs and all this other kind of crazy stuff. Like these are the things, as, especially in a tournament like this where everything's as wide open as it is, like we've talked about endlessly. Like that to me, when I look at at the situation they had with their GM, maybe that's something that fires the boys up. And and I, I don't know. It's playoff hockey is weird like that, where you can kind of just pick up some momentum from something like that and and go on a run. I'm interested to see if they can, you know, come back just as strong game two. What about uh Pecorino's playoff streak ending at 89? It's, it's a bummer. I, I, I liked Pecorino when he first came into the league, but he's never known as a guy. He would never steal you a game in the playoffs, really. Maybe early on, but I'd say in like the last three years just really wasn't. Except for when the no. Red Wings played him in like 2012 or whenever that was. Right. Oh, God, they're just showing Carey Price highlights now. I just love it. I told you, man. I told you. Uh, a, couple of, a couple of real boring games. Uh, so what do you think – what did you think about the atmosphere that was brought on these games? We just talked about the Carolina and Rangers game. And to me, the, the energy all weekend was good, but I one place where I started to really notice it and I thought to myself, like, man, these could really – use a crowd are in those games and i and i actually tweeted this out but like the games where one of the teams just slowly bleeds to death like i i find myself becoming extremely bored and that's to me when you can notice the lack of atmosphere the most like i was watching the uh minnesota and vancouver game last night and it was like two nothing late in the third and it it just looked like a practice like it looked like an exhibition game and like normally during a situation like that whether the winning team is at home or on the road like there's usually something of like yeah let's close it out let's close it out or it's like you know the the crowd gets into it to kind of rally the boys for like the last couple of minutes but there was just absolutely nothing and yeah you should get some like chance or something yeah yeah i mean i totally understand that i ideally as the playoffs get deeper that won't really be an issue i think what you'll see, you'll see more desperation and stuff other than, you know, a team just being down free nothing. And now, oh, okay, whatever, that's it. Cause I, you, you know, I understand that it's a best of five, but I feel like if, if this one is slipping away, teams can go back to the drawing board, like, drawing board, like Winnipeg did 
and get another get another win. It's just early, but I'd say in these best of seven series, it could just you'll see the desperation on the ice more. I would I would like to think. Uh, did the Islanders and Panthers play today? That was a boring game. That was another really boring game. And it didn't help, too, that it was at the same time as the uh... – oh, we got to talk about Matt Dumba, too. That was uh... – I was absolutely not expecting that. And for him to come out in a game that he wasn't even playing in and make that kind of statement with no teleprompter or anything written down or anything like that, that was just incredible. Uh, the NHL still could do more compared to the other leagues and, and everything that is going on. I just think that – I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. You want to give them credit, but because they're doing something, but like the whole, just we skate to end racism. And then just like the big banners that say like end racism is just like, yeah. I mean, you saw teams walking into the arena with t-shirts on and stuff like that. I just thought what they did was, I thought it was a very elegant way to go about bringing this topic up into the public eye. Yeah. And I mean, with, with hockey, you know, it's they're just kind of wading into these waters. So who knows? You know how it, it'll evolve over time. But just it, it was just like kind of not disingenuous. I don't know if that's the right word, but just kind of just the bare minimum. Like, hey, we're doing something. But did uh, did you see uh, Ryan Reeves took a knee and Laner followed him, and then Sagan and Jason Dickinson went up wow. and sat by them on the. Uh, not sat by them, but knelt by them on the uh, blue line during the national anthems. When was that today? Today, yeah. No, I missed that. Good for them. That's yep. uh, it's a start of start of something, you know. Uh, last thing I want to get into, and this is uh, a very tragic thing, but over the weekend, Jamie Samuelson, ninety-seven, won the ticket host, uh, passed away from cancer, and uh, I just want to take the time to acknowledge it and say that. Uh, for me, I like. I remember Jamie most from the Jamie and Wojo show. From the time I got my I, my driver's license until the time I graduated college, like if I was in the car between two to eight, I was listening to ninety seven won a ticket, like, uh, and I can remember a, a particularly rough time in my life, like during college, where it was just tough, and I, I just remember like looking forward to. Jamie and Wojo on my way home from one of my internships every day and just the, the life that they brought, they worked so well together. I I didn't get to listen to Jamie as much once he moved to the morning with Stoney, but just awful heartbreaking news. And it's, it's been, I don't want to use the word incredible, but to see the way that uh, the Detroit sports media and so many people have come out to share their stories. He was really an amazing guy and I wish I would have had the chance to meet him. That's wonderfully put, man. Same, I mean, the stuff that I've seen on Twitter and the stories that, that were written, it's just more touching than anything yeah. for me. Just more of a celebration, and I understand the sadness of it. Mm-hmm. But it was it's nice to, to hear people's stories of them and watch videos and I saw his wife came out and tweeted something about him today. It was just, I like the celebration of people's lives when they pass away. Yeah. It's such a more positive thing than um, 
being upset about it and sad, and I, but I completely understand it. But Woj was really, um, really on Twitter a lot, talking about how much he meant to him and listening or interacting with fans and stuff with that a lot. And it was really just touching to see. That that to me was you know one person that I kind of had in mind when I was talking about that because he he was the one who like kind of broke the news, put it out there, and obviously like I just said, like they worked not only on the same show but just together in general and, and knew each other for a very very long time. And uh, to see the way that he's been able to keep the spirits up in a way that has allowed him to interact with people and you know respond to others sharing their stories. It's I mean, it's just, it's just sucks. It it sucks. Life is fragile. Uh, hug your loved ones. Sorry this ended on such a sad note today, everybody, but uh, it's been something that I've, I've kind of been thinking about. And, you know, there's so many people who have these amazing personal stories about him and how they changed his life. And those people don't come around too often. Yep. Thank you for bringing this up. So, I'd, I'd rather us talk about it than not address it. Uh, We'll see you guys tomorrow. We're going to do a uh, draft profile on Lucas Raymond for Lunda Winger out of the SHL. Uh, It's a pretty good episode. If you like Lucas Raymond, you're going to be uh, pretty pleased with everything that Tony Ferrari has to say about him. Uh, He has him ranked number three on his big board. Uh, We're going to do an episode Thursday. Uh, I'm not sure how it's going to work exactly what we're going to do Thursday or Friday. I know what episodes we're going to do. I, I mentioned we have the draft profiles of Emil Andre and Carter Savoy with Tony Wallach from the hockeywriters.com. And then also we are going to be talking with UFC fighter, uh, Justin James. I'm just not sure which days those are going to run. So I'll update you guys more on that tomorrow. Be sure to subscribe, share the podcast, follow us on Twitter at L O underscore Red Wings. We'll see you guys back here tomorrow. Same time, same place.